in a we're in a challenging time, mm. and the challenging time is uh, what's obvious or what people are looking at. And you know, we're seeing all of the you know the world going through a lot of external challenges. Mm. What's happening is all of the status quo and all of the patterning of that third dimensional space where where greed, let's take racism, sexism, all the the isms. Agreed domination, uh, them versus us. That's all duality. That's all third dimension. That's all being dismantled. But it's very obvious in your face if you're watching television or just kind of engaged in things. But what is not so obvious that really needs to be heard is what you're seeing as as disruptive is massively opportunistic. You know, if everybody's in agreement with the flow of the river, it's very hard to change the direction of the river. Yeah. Right now, there's massive disruption, massive. and this disruption, particularly right now, is opportunistic to each one of us to do everything that we've just been talking about.、Mm -hmm. If you can simply get into neutral and begin to define your space and be in present time, all of that baggage is relatively easy to let go of. It's really, it's really simple, but it's also easy. What happens is we start saying, "Well, no, it can't be that." You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad; it's sanity. Who, in their right mind, would accentuate anything else? Hello, and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive, with Karen Swain. As always, so great to be with you again. I have another delicious guest to introduce you to today. He was actually brought to my attention by one of my YouTube subscribers, and I'm sorry that I've forgotten your name. I can't remember who it was, but if it, if it's you and you're listening to this, say hi on the comments. Jim's self, welcome to the show, Jim. Karen, nice to be with you. And remember, if you like the programs、uh, and the conversations we have on ATP. Media, remember to subscribe and leave your comments and press that like button and all that good stuff, or join our newsletter. Now it's so wonderful to meet you. I've been watching some of your.、Uh, you've got a lot of things happening on YouTube, a lot of teaching that you put out there, and it's beautiful to see that you're making it available for people free on YouTube. So I'd、Thank、love、you. to know how all this.、Um, oh, hang on. Let me read you. Not really with it this morning. Let me read your bio, and we'll get to know a little bit about Jim, and then we'll go into your life story. Jim Self is an international teacher, speaker, leader in the field of spiritual development, and co-author of the interactive book *A Course in Mastering Alchemy: Tools to Shift, Transform, and Ascend*, and *Spirit Matters: Down to Earth Tools for a Spirited Life*. Jim walks. With a foot in both worlds, at the age of 26, he was elected to his first of two terms to the San Jose、uh, CA City Council. Is that California City Council? California, right? Yep. <laughs> And later became the vice mayor. Before completing his second term, he was asked to be. An advisor and director of government operations for the U.S. Department of Energy, 
As an entrepreneur, he has successfully built and sold two corporations and is the founder and current board chairman of a third. At the same time, Jim has had the ability since childhood to recall his experiences within the sleep state which is something I'm very envious of because I wake up every morning wanting to know that and I don't remember. So maybe I'll quiz you on how you do that. Over the last 20 years, his awareness has expanded into relationships with the archangels, ascended masters and teachers of light. So I'd love to know, and you can find Jim at masteringalchemy.com. So this was happening to you as a child, Jim. You were remembering your sojourns at night in your sleep state? Well, it wasn't just at night. It was, in my reality, it was my life. It was, see, most people come into the body actually very fully loaded. You come in with your clairvoyance on, your clairaudience on, you look in the eyes of a little child and they're absolutely present and there they are. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you come in to forget. Mm -hmm. You come in and you begin to listen to mom, dad, teacher, minister, as you were, you know, that what this world is all about. And they say, this is how it is. And this is what we do. And this is how we live our life. And you say, okay. Mm-hmm. And you basically become them in so many ways. And so you start to turn off. You get certain situations where you're sitting there at your little table playing tea with the angels and somebody says stop making up those stories and mm-hmm. you look at the big person you look at the empty chair and you go okay and so that shuts off and because nobody talks about using the skill that you have available or all these skills clairaudience clairsentience your telepathic levels your clair your um, clairsentience feeling mm-hmm you stop paying attention to those to give up seniority to your five senses. Mm, mm. And then, uh, then you begin to get more information. You know, it's like in this house, we do this. We go to this school. We go to this religion. We don't talk to them. We eat this kind of food. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay. And so pretty soon you get inched away from that natural nature of that internal guidance system of who we are. Then you start getting all the no's and don'ts and shouldn'ts and you basically begin to get judgments and opinions and beliefs and habits and it all just lays on top. In my case, I didn't forget. It got me in a lot of trouble often, you know, because I would see things and then say what I see and that wasn't perfectly tactful in many situations and was... uh, you know, it was just honest and honesty isn't what people want to necessarily hear all the time. So those right. levels worked for a long time. And it was until I was about well through and to help to help make matters more uncomfortable. In my reality is, you know, I had a father that the, literally, this is accurate. The really only word I remember him ever really talking about was stupid. You're stupid. Everything was stupid. And um, so when I went to school, I didn't fit either in terms of following how the system teaches, but I was very good at things. It was always baffling because I would do a math test and I just write the long division answer when it was, where was your work? You must've cheated. I was always amazed that nobody put me in a room all by myself and said, here, do the test. But so, um, so that, that's the challenge that I think a lot of people have is they have their sensitivity on. And then they 
enter into their life and it becomes very confusing. And then, so do you think with you, Jim, you had a plan not to forget? Like your soul said, okay, I'm going to like not, not absolutely so seduced by the third dimensional, by, by only giving credit <clears throat> to my five senses. Yeah. Well, one of the things that happens, there are things there, you have a plan when you come in and there are aspects of your functionality that lends itself to clairvoyance or clairaudience, let's say. And you don't necessarily turn those off because they're of use. So it's like you keep parts of yourself in mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And, but like I said, those get you in a lot of trouble also because they are perceptive. Mm -hmm. So you come in with a plan and, but the plan isn't necessarily all on. I mean, it's very clear the focus of what I do today and uh, which is teach tools and mm -hmm. not teach truth, but teach tools. And um, the relationship I have with the Archangelics and all those now is like this conversation with you. It's mm. always there, always pleasant. And the focus of the work is very clear. But yeah. it took a long time to get that clarity. And you go through your own life having opportunities to master yourself where you weren't masterful maybe before. Right. Yes, absolutely. I so relate to everything you're saying. Uh, you know, as a young girl, I was, I was not seeing spirit and people that could see, you know, with their physical eyes or even with their third eye always fascinated me. And um, I probably wasn't hearing spirit or maybe I was, but I was just hearing them as my own thoughts. But yes. I always knew how everyone felt. Like I, I suppose that empathic, like I always knew what people were thinking and how they felt. And, and when people would lie and say, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'd be like, no, it's not. And I'd get myself in trouble because people love to put up this front, you know, like this mm -hmm. sort of false sort of shop front and behind the scenes, like the racket run, they're running behind the scenes. And so, yeah, the stupid thing, like I thought I was stupid because I just thought, you know, everybody would sort of like say, no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. That people were always telling me I was wrong. And so I thought I was wrong, but, yes. um, but you know, our generation back in those days, we didn't have the internet to let us understand Correct. what was happening you know, when we were younger. So today the empaths and new world teachers, I call them all the difference makers or the psychics of today have this fabulous internet that they can go to and see what. Yeah, well, yeah but then be careful of what you ask for. <laughs> the internet is, it, particularly in spiritual terms, is uh, very, very confusing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the messages, see, you used to look at people walking down the street and talking to light bulbs and call them crazy. You know, they would be on the corner and you'd go, something's wrong with that guy. Now they have earbuds in their ears. But the thing about it is, where was that crazy person's information coming from? And it was real and there was some level of communication going on. Now on the internet, that crazy person is now blogging. But the question is, where is your information coming from? See, and there's lots of stratas of consciousness that unfold that basically today that internet is a, a, a vehicle for a lot of false information, just like it is in every other field today. But when you look at a lot of the when you when you ask the question where does the information come from for example you have this category in the catholic church called purgatory 
-hmm. It's a very real place. It's not unique to the Catholic Church. But you, you have to ask the question, well, how does that person, how does that being be in purgatory? And what is that? And how does it work? And why does it happen that way? And then when you start recognizing that in simple, simple purposes, purgatory is where a place is somebody who's so bound to the earth in terms of anger or resentment or their home physically or they failed at that they don't have the ability to look up to find God, find heaven, find going home. And so they get trapped in this space. And many times they're angry or upset about their cause. But then you get somebody walking around on the physical planet who is angry also. Absolutely. And all of a sudden you have a perfect match perfect between match. the one without the body and the one with the body. And the one without the body doesn't know they're dead. And so they begin to go, well, that's terrible. And the person in the body says, yes. And you wind up with this transmediumship happening from a very questionable place. And so well, a lot of your you blogs. Know, you said the statement that the internet is full of false information. Would it be better to say the, the internet is full of fearful information? Because to the person who believes it, it's not false, right? Their anger Correct. is not. Correct. So, but it's, so I guess for people listening to this, you know, how do we navigate all this information out there on the internet? If it feels fearful, <laughs> yes, then, it's, then it's probably then not it is. what you want to listen to. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And a lot of the information, there is lots of very good information also. And, but see, somebody else's truth may not be your truth. Mm -hmm. As correct as the information is, mm -hmm. you may see it slightly different or a little bit more of a nuance. Mm -hmm. And so being able to discern where the information comes from in a way is secondary, but is the information my truth? Mm -hmm. And then navigate from that space. Then it doesn't matter where it comes from because mm -hmm. it's all about, is this useful to me mm -hmm. in terms of creating a better place for me and those that are around me in the world? Well, this is like, we've totally gone off your story. I knew we'd do this. But this is where the importance of understanding vibrational match, frequency match, law of attraction, soul plans, all this information is so important to understand because, yeah, we can get so swept up in somebody else's truth and it's not necessarily what we're here to do or what our soul is desiring or our inner being is desiring, but we feel like it's right. So we might, yeah. might as well follow it but it never feels completely right to us. So listening to that guidance system, listening to that, you know, does this light me up, turn me on, you know, like, is this exciting sure, sure. to me? Is this my joy? Is this my bliss? It might be right and it feels good, you know, like it feels like the right thing to do, but it might not be exactly what you're here to do or here to think about or here to expand on. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's get back and to your it, story. But, yeah, well, wait, but see, that is somebody else's story. Yeah, that's somebody else's story. That's simply yeah. the answer. You, you know, you're talking about stories, it's their story. It might yeah. be close to their story. They might think many of the same things I think, but it's their story. Mm -hmm. And um, so discerning, is this mine or is this mass consciousness having an opinion becomes a, a, a real skill set to, to recognize for yourself, whoever that is. Yeah, which is something that I'd love to talk about a little later when we get through your story sure. too, is desire because, you know, law of attraction teaches us to follow our desires. But just like you were talking about being um, conditioned by um, 
you know, other people, your peers, your teachers, your parents conditioned out of your knowing or out of your um, psychic ability or intuitive abilities. I think we get conditioned away from what we, our soul is wanting too. And we, I know I was like, I grew up thinking that I had to, you know, be successful and make money and be famous and all that stuff that we get conditioned that, you know, I thought that I wanted. And when I kind of delve deeper into my spiritual journey i realized i actually don't want any of that stuff right, right. <laughs> like, most people want that stuff? Yeah. yeah most people want to be happy yeah you know when you cut right through it it's like okay here's your million dollars you traveled the world you've got all the money you've got the big house you've got everything what what do you really want and so i want to be happy i yeah. want to have engagement with others i want to laugh and see that's not the third dimensional space that we have grown up in and live in. You know, that's very much what the higher dimensional space is in that enter into that fifth dimensional space. Dimensions are like boxes and they have rules and structures to them. But that fifth dimensional space, you can't take your baggage with you on this journey. You can't take your, I'm stupid. I'm not okay. I don't deserve. I'm ugly. I blah, blah, blah. You can't take that. I'm not okay with you. But, when you get into that fifth dimensional space, there is no fear. There is words like trust and safety don't exist because there is nothing unsafe and nothing to distrust. Yeah. And so you simply begin to enjoy and engage and co-create. And it's a very different experience than what we've learned, but that's where we're going because we've played this game masterfully Mm. at being not okay and all the pieces are there. And so you learn to be not okay, to learn how to appreciate and be okay. And that's what we're doing. So what fascinates me is someone who is uh, still very aware of your awareness. How, why, what made you go into like government and such a sort of corporate life? Um, you sort of explored, you said you, you've got, uh, you walk with a foot in both worlds. What was the sure. decision that made you want to do that? Helping other people. But government doesn't function the same way as co-creation and cooperation. And so in a way, in order to be masterful here in this place that I am now, is learning to be masterful, having the experience of those experiences becomes invaluable. And so having the luxury of being an advisor to the president of the United States, having the luxury of being an elected official, having the luxury of running the governmental operations for the Department of Energy in the United States, those are all just simply, they're they're wonderful titles, but in real terms, it's not anything about the title. It's about what did you learn? What did you experience? And the level of the game of power, control, which is all a third dimensional, third chakra game, was very illuminating and kind of very disgusting and very disappointing and very hurtful in so many ways. And you watch clear opportunities for well-being that get chosen against because of somebody's particular egotistical point of view or need to be in power. And so understanding that nature of power and control judgment, resistance, has been extremely valuable in able to show people how to step out or step aside of all of that and begin to let go of their own 
inadequacies because those inadequacies generally are somebody else's opinion that is handed to you as a gift that says, oh, you're not okay today. No, you're not attractive. You're not smart. You're never going to succeed. Nobody's going to like you. And it's like a gift. And then what we do is we ask the worst possible question when we get knocked over by that, you're not okay, is we say, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And the reality is you never did anything wrong. Mm. Never. It's impossible to be not okay. But mm. we work very hard at it in <laughs> our lifetime. We work very hard at it. So you entered government and politics thinking, I want to make a difference. I want to help people. And what you learned was how to play the third dimensional game of it's all about me. <laughs> it's like, very it's much. A, yeah. Very much. So, so you became masterful in seeing that game play out in that arena of the political arena. I, go, I don't know. The, yeah. There was a part of me that was, when I was in, I, I mean, I'm convinced, you know, I graduated at the bottom of my high school class. I failed my second try at my senior English test. You know, the world, the teacher in sixth grade told my mother, you know, don't worry, the world needs truck drivers, which is kind of an amazing statement. <laughs> Your teacher says don't worry. Yeah. So, but I was never challenged. And then finally, I figured out how to get to college and did. And one professor finally challenged me. And that was all it took. You know, it's like, okay, I can make a difference. And, but that whole process of going through all of these experiences, they give you the perspective to be able to approach life differently and then answer the question for yourself, what is my purpose? What am I all about? How do I make a contribution? Or am I really here somewhat in a rest life just to simply enjoy myself and cruise through this lifetime? Mm -hmm. So for me, being challenged like that and then having some extraordinary successes was interesting. But one of my drivers early on was, is I, I applied to go to Stanford for a, a particular uh, PhD degree. And that purpose was to be a teacher's of a teacher's college. I was going to be the president of a teacher's college. I wanted to teach people to teach. Mm -hmm. And, um, that didn't unfold. So the next best thing was to go to government and, and create circumstance for people to be able to enjoy a healthy life in co-creating together. And so that whole political aspect was very, in, very illuminating. And at the same time, my spiritual abilities really turned on. And so it became very clear. I was able to see what was going to happen days or weeks ahead not from some insightful looking way out into the future. You do this, we all do this, use this tool clairvoyance all the time. You look at something and you're able to say, you know, if you do that, you're really not going to like the outcome in about two weeks. It's clairvoyance, it's a skill set, it's not valued that way. But all that turned on for me and it became to be very clear how to navigate through the future and um, how to manage that future in present time because there is only present time so do you attribute that to your success in business in that sort of business yeah. world yeah yeah I, I i knew i i i started i learned fortunately with just a couple of mistakes that that internal guidance system in the heart the one that says everybody says let's do this and something says i don't think so or 
you know, you're standing on the edge of the cliff and you have to jump, even though it's everybody's gone, you're going to die. You just have to do it. And when you follow that internal guidance system, if you think back on your own life, you come out on your feet 100% of the time. So I learned that real early to be the navigating system for how do I proceed through the world. Right. And, and it worked. Right. It has worked. You know, a lot of the people that watch my shows are the, you know, I call them the difference makers or the new world teachers. They're people that really feel like they want to make a difference. They might be young, they might be old, they might have had a career and had children, they might be grandmothers or grandparents now, and they still feel they still have that drive. When did you uh, decide to kind of come out of that third dimensional world and start your ministry, if you like? you're teaching like start teaching people the tools of alchemy and mastery i think it well let's see when it really the two questions so when did i come out of that world i think so when i they let me out of high school to go drive a truck it was if any you know and um and i had a very fortunate unfortunate circumstance my father left my mother and uh, with a whole level of debt. Now that's back in the back in this mid '60s, so it was all relative. And I had a great excuse I, to anybody who asked. I, I'm not going to college like all the rest of you. I'm going to stay home and support my mother. So it was a great excuse. It was true and very much untrue. I wasn't going to go to college. I was not smart enough to go to college. But all during that time, I went to work for Ford Motor Company, putting, making axles and, and parts of cars. And, and somewhere during the process of that, all that time, I was really by myself. I mean, I was working. I wasn't in school. I wasn't in family. I was navigating my world. And it became really clear to me that this is not what I wanted to do. And fortunately, there was a a group of guys called the Beach Boys who had wonderful songs and talked about California and surfing. And, and it was like, yes, that's it. And so I took my $33 at the end of supporting my mother for a year and hitchhiked to California. A fabulous experience. And then the junior college system in California was virtually free. And so, so that it was all navigated for me. Yeah. Is this in the 60s? Yeah. So this is like the height of the hippie movement too. And California was where it was happening, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And <laughs> it was fabulous. A, but it was also, it, see, the 60s were really important for lots of reasons, but it was this baby boom starting to happen. And yeah. so everything was about expansion and opportunity and growth. And, you know, there was nothing bad that could be happening except for the war or something. But so you were in a growth mode. You were in a renaissance mode. And we've rode that, that ride now for a long time. And then it began to go from renaissance into maturing into a place where it took on a different set of focuses and functions, the 80s, the 90s. And then now it's on the other side of the curve. And we're into a period of disruption and um, authoritativeness and non-growth in that space. But so, so it's been a wonderful observation of the cycle. And in my reality right now, I have really one purpose and that purpose is very much in agreement with the Archangelics who, you know, I live with. 
And that is to create a pathway for your own particular ascension, your own evolution, each individual, to basically get into a, an alignment with the elementals of the earth and Gaia. Mm -hmm. That's very real. That's not like, oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? It's substantive engaging with and creating with the elementals. You get results. But it's that last part of this journey, which is opening the door for mass consciousness to step into that fifth dimension. And so orchestrating that with the elemental, with the archangelics, the lords of light, and then basically being the physical component to translate that into a format to be able to hand to hundreds of thousands of people in a manner of, you know, see the, see the cat jump, you know, jump, cat, jump, that's simple. And people go, I get it. I can do that. I can shift my energetic in terms of doing that. And so all of that in my past, the failures, the stupid, uh, not fitting into school, all purposeful mm. to get to this moment. And it's quite exciting. So when did you leave government to become a teacher? How old were you? Like, were you older or how long no. have you been doing this the way, in this form? So, so I left government in, uh, I was uh, the assistant to Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter. And when he was unelected, I was unappointed. It was a, one of the most wonderful days of my life. I had no constituency all of a sudden for a long and, uh, and then that took me into business and creating different businesses in the, mostly in the sciences and still have a kind of act as chairman of the board, which is a non thing of a company I founded. That's a biomedical company. It's very successful. Mm -hmm. But it, so why I'm asking this question is I have a lot of people who email me that are in the sort of corporate world. They have their job, but they know they're here to make a difference and they kind of want, don't want to do their job anymore, but they really don't yeah. know how they're going to make a difference or what they're going to do. Yeah. So just hearing like how you transitioned out of like mainstream working life into a, like a spiritual teacher. Well, I think, I think somewhat I'm, I'm unique when I say unique, not better than in any way, just a little unique slice. But, but what's in, I, I get that question often, you know, I don't like my job anymore. Right. Um, what is happening is people are waking up mm. and in that waking up and they want to make a difference. But the difference starts with them. The difference starts not with fixing the world. And that's a very different focus. People want to save the world, heal the world, make things all better. But heal or heal thyself, it says somewhere. You know, if, if you can't like yourself, if you can't love yourself, if you can't be in present time and observe without engaging in judgment, the ability to navigate that world, to bring it into a better place is going to be very, very challenging. But the real question is to that person, I want to make a difference. The difference is, who are you? Who do you wish to be? How do you wish to demonstrate yourself? See, because the, the, the real essence of who you are is the candle on the candlestick to make light for all others in the house. And so it's not about fixing anybody else in their problem. It's very much, can you be certain and capable and senior and gracious and have a sense of commanding your presence in seniority and kindness. See, what, that radiance begins to be such that others wish to follow you. 
Others wish to just, you know, have had it said, can I just rub up against you? I don't really want anything. I want what you are. They would say to many of the people that, that they come in contact with because they have a sense of themselves and a confidence in navigating. There's no better than, but it's a sense of presence. That is what makes a difference in terms of setting a course that is different than the course that's being observed worldwide today. It's all yeah. about the individual. It's all about you and about me. Oh, that's such a great message. And it's a message that's come up repeatedly for me over the last couple of weeks. You know, I, was, I quoted this on my Facebook page. What you are, the world is. Without your transformation, there can be no transformation of the world which was said by Jay Krishnamurti. Do you remember him? Yes. Krishnamurti. And um, yeah, so, so the difference you make to the world is your own transformation, not necessarily Absolutely. quitting your job and starting up, you know, as a, some sort of life coach or spiritual teacher or Reiki practitioner or so yeah. wherever you so are. If you can't define and own your own space and you can't be in present time, see most most everybody walking on the street is unconscious of being unconscious. Mm -hmm. They just bump along. When you start to begin to have this waking up and awareness of yourself, you start to begin to have an opportunity to become conscious of your unconsciousness. Right. In that space where I hold myself hostage, I'm not okay. I beat my body up because it's fat or it's ugly or it's something wrong with it. Every single day I tell my body how bad it is. You know, if your parents told you every day how bad you are, how would you react? Well, the body reacts the same way. So this space of beginning to be aware of yourself begins to be really this next journey. And people don't know how to, how to handle that. There's not enough information generally to how to live in present time, how to basically, I mean, it really will sound odd to many people, but, but you don't have a past. You've never had a past you've had previous present time moments that are no longer present. And in that past, you've had a lot of experiences in those present time moments. Two things happen. If you could get into present time and look at your past and recognize first the emotion that is tied up with your past only happens in present time. You say, I'm sad because my husband wife died 25 years ago. Well, sad only happens right now. Sad doesn't happen in the past. So if you could manage it to bring that into a place where my husband wife died 25 years ago, doesn't have an emotion attached to it, then that piece of that experience becomes a piece of information. If that piece of information happens to have an ugly divorce and meanness to it and all those things, would you like to not carry that around anymore? when you just look at it as information. Mm. And see, when that begins to be understood, how to navigate the present, the baggage that we carry around with is simply rocks in our backpack, of which most don't even belong to us. Yeah, which is, you know, we had a quick chat before I turned on the recording on, and you said that you don't talk about past lives. And that's the same reason. No matter what circumstance created the belief you know, that I'm not good enough or people hurt me or whatever belief you're carrying, you're carrying that belief now, yes. regardless if it happened when you were four or, you know, 200 years ago or in Atlantis. 
absolutely. absolutely. It's still active in your vibration now. And yeah. we have an opportunity to break the spell of it in the now. So we don't have to find out the circumstances that created it because yeah. it's happening now in real time. Because you, you mentioned a little while ago, law of attraction. And law of attraction is not very well understood. Oh, I mean, everybody says, oh, I've seen the movie and I've read Esther's book and I know all about the law of attraction. But the law of attraction is so ridiculously simple that it's missed. And the law of attraction basically says, I, the universe, who adore you, will do whatever you ask. So what you, what, and what you put your attention upon, I will provide for you. Now, it doesn't say I'm only going to give you the good stuff. And the universe doesn't really speak English, French, Spanish, Australian very well. The universe simply understands your vibration. And so if you are walking around, this is why affirmations don't work for a lot of people because they go, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And they get really revved in it. And the last thing they say is, but, but. Universe says, stop, I'll stop right there until you believe you're good. But what we do is we, we hold on to these, this baggage. I'm not okay. I don't deserve. I'm a, not an honest person. I'm not an okay person because they told me I wasn't okay. And so I'm holding all these rocks in my backpack. Universe says, how you vibrate is your message. And I will provide you exactly how you vibrate. And so I'm not okay is my belief system. The universe will repeatedly, without any bias at all, give you more not okay to play with. Absolutely. And so this space of getting into present time and recognizing that a lot of the I'm not okay that I put my attention on really is other people's messages where they had a bad lifetime in that moment and just kind of vomited all over you as the little kid. But once that's understood, the ability to simply clean out a lot of your baggage by disconnecting the emotion and the electromagnetic field allows you to really fly free with not a lot of work. And I watch it in thousands of people that play in Mastering Alchemy with us. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful watching the changes and the transformation that's happened to now pushing 100,000 people. I know. You're really getting out there. It's fantastic it's, to see. It's very exciting. Uh, you know, um, what's his name? Coins at breaking the habit of being yourself. Because these ideas that we hold become so habitual. That, like you say, and when you put an affirmation on top of it, that habit of being yourself, that habit of feeling not okay, that habit of feeling like I need to fix myself. You know, I have a good friend who's a healer, who's done every healing course she can. And, you know, I see this habit of I'm not okay the next course, the next course, the next course will fix me. But it's this habit of not being okay that is just driving. It's like, and then she's like, well, maybe if we go to a past life of where that started and I see that past life, then it'll, you know, like, nope. but, so how do we break those habits in the now moment? Those, that, that addictive programming, because we kind of get addicted to it, right? Oh, absolutely. And it becomes unconscious. So Somebody yeah. says X and the mom, dad, teacher, minister, and you say, okay. Now, remember too, this is an odd statement in a way, but, but the mom, dad, teacher, minister are creating you in their image. It simply says, I love you. I adore you. I want your life to be successful and happy, and I'm going to show you how to do it in my image, right? It's that 
where do I get the information? Mom, dad, teacher, minister. And so we are told this is good, that's bad, but, and you're gonna be a doctor, you're gonna be an attorney, you're gonna be this, because that's, what you're, that's where success is, but it, how many people have you seen that aren't happy being the doctor, the attorney, or the you know, candlestick maker? So that internal guidance begins to create a conflict between all the things that I should be doing and who I should be talking to and the school I should be going to. So you got a lot of should on you and you get enough should all over you, you got a lot of should all over you. And so how do you get out of the should? And so when you start to get into that present time moment and you start to recognize that present time is an interesting thing because we think we understand present time. But the third dimensional construct is about linear time, the past and the future. And there's a little tiny slice of present time in the third dimensional game. And so they told me if I do this, I will be successful in the future. And they've also, and I had this bad experience and I hope it doesn't happen to me again. But in the third dimension, what we normally experience now you live in the third, the fourth, and the fifth at the same time now, but in the third dimension, you have this reactionary response. Oh my God, this isn't supposed to happen. In that third dimensional box, everything is conditional. There is nothing unconditional. But when you step into present time in the fourth dimensional, fifth dimensional space, it's like right here, we're in present time. And now just a moment ago, as I'm telling you that, you just had a whole series of thoughts. You just went right back into that space because like, oh, we you see know, that, uh, that I'm positively. Actually, I'm actually thinking about her because I'm using her as an example of what you're talking about. And, you know, can it be this simple? So, so someone who's spent 30 years healing themselves or trying to heal themselves and trying to heal others, she's never in the moment. Like every time she calls me, she's washing the dishes, she's driving the car, she's walking. She's never, ever, and this is something I say to her all the time, what are you doing? Can you not just have this conversation with me? Like, do you have to multitask? It's like, it's just this mind running constantly. Yes. If somebody yes. calls me, I stop everything and sit back and talk to them, right? Yes. She doesn't. I have a few friends that do that. They, they're, they're always multitasking. So they're never actually in the moment. So I'm thinking, can healing be as simple as just being here now? <laughs> like yes. being in present time moment like could that yes. be could that wipe out all that addictive programming just like coming back to the now moment it's the platform that it starts on absolutely right. Right. see if if i if i'm running away from my past whatever that means and i have to hurry up to be successful i have to hurry up to be seen i have to hurry up to make sure everything's right when you watch people's behaviors past and future there's nothing in the present time except when something goes wrong. And then it's like, oh, this isn't good. No, they're in the present. Now they're but focused. It's a reaction in the present on the reaction of what shouldn't be happening. Right. Instead of thinking, but, what should I do next? What should I do next? I've got to do that next. I've got to do that next. You know, right. I've got to get the shopping, got to pick up the kids. I've got to do that. I've got to do future, that. I'll future, future, future. Yeah, I'll just all ring future. my friend while I'm doing all those things. <laughs> it's yeah. all about the future. And yeah. so what happens, the adrenal glands start to speed up. The cortisol in the body starts to speed up. The stress of not ever succeeding at everything I'm supposed to be doing. Yes, yes. Creates a tremendous stress in the body. And the body starts to break down. It doesn't function well that way. But when you step into present time, 
Now I said there's five different configurations of present time. That's an absurd statement to somebody walking on the street. Because if you ask the person on the street, tell, is there anything different about time than linear past, present, future, then you die, go out there and ask on the street, 100 people, 100 people will tell you, no, you're crazy, there's only linear time. But when you step into a fourth or fifth dimensional space, a couple things happen that changes her experience for you. So in present, you get into present time, like we're right here, we're not thinking about breakfast or dinner, we're right here, present time. In this present time, you have a choice. If I say, what do you prefer, hamburgers or pizza? You pause present time and say my answer, choice. In third dimension, you don't have choice. You're too busy running to do the next thing. But the, but the key piece to success in getting out of that third dimensional space is a very simple odd word called paradox. And paradox simply means what was true a moment ago or earlier in my life may not be true right now, and what was false may not be false. So you get into present time, and I really, this guy stole from me once upon a time. And all of a sudden, but in present time, if he shows up 20 years later on your front porch, you look at him, I know who you are, you're a bad person. But in present time, I know who you are, I know what you did, how can I help you? Present time. And in that case, the man says, you know, I've spent 20 years in guilt and terrible, and as my life's been all about, I stole this from you, and I'm now coming to tell you I apologize and giving back this thing I stole. But what happens? He just freed himself up, and you say, get off my porch. Who's stuck in the past? But in present time, and in the recognition of choice and paradox, all that habit, all the things you're afraid of, all the I'm not okay, all the baggage, right here, you have the opportunity to simply release it. And releasing it in present time is not complicated at all when you understand your past is simply information when it's not tied to the emotion of somebody past experience, guilt, blame, resentment, jealousy. If you can just get into neutral present time, you can clear the baggage in your backpack so simply, but simple is not easy. Simple is simple. So simply and quickly? Instantly. instantly. However, understand I'm saying, the thing is simple is that easy, except we're like a freight train at 90 miles an hour and Jim's over here saying, well, just turn right, just turn right. No, you don't understand, I'll crash. No, just turn right. Eventually you just turn right and then it's fascinating. People say, well, why didn't you tell me this a year ago? You did. Mm. So it's all about you choosing, choosing becomes the operative word in present time that what was true once upon a time, is it true or isn't it true? Do you still wanna carry that resentment, that baggage, that belief system? So when it comes to belief systems, mom, dad, teacher, minister say, the school says, my best friends say, I begin to create a belief. And then something happens and it's reinforced. Oh, that must be true. And then I create a habit that supports my belief. It's the mechanics of this. And then that habit begins to be, uh, those people are bad, those people are bad, those people are bad. And then it becomes unconscious because habits just simply no longer need to stay conscious. Now you've got this unconscious belief system, those people are bad. Well, who told you that? I don't know, I just know they're bad. Well, how do you know? Did you ever talk to one? 
No, no. You get into present time and you ask that question, is my belief system accurate about all those people are bad? And the only answer you can come up with is no. And so do you want to continue to carry that racism, sexism, all the isms? Because who's got the baggage in their backpack? Mm. Who's carrying the rock? The person over there that you absolutely know you're not going to like, who doesn't even know you exist, or you carrying mm. the rock in your backpack? The collective hypnosis, breaking the hypnosis. Uh, yeah. So... What I'm seeing, I'm having it, you'll probably see me, I'm chatting to my mob as you're talking. <laughs> it's very delightful. You'll see me looking up, like going, okay, okay. Uh, like breaking the habit of wanting to be successful, I think is something that came up. This drive to be successful, which is all over the internet. You know, there's sure. so many success coaches that are going to teach you how to make money to teach you how to succeed succeed in your relationship succeed in your job succeed you know it's like this we're kind of there's this collective drive to be successful why why do we need to be successful why can't we just be in the moment here now and just like at peace <laughs> see that's successful yeah if you can get in the moment and be at peace the ability, see, there's another part to this, answering that question. See, when you get into present time and you allow that space of recognizing this is baggage in my backpack and I'm going to let it go, when you, when you get into this place and you start to get quiet, and for example, some of the tools we use, it's ridiculously simple. You said you were an empath earlier, that was part of something. If you were to stick your hand straight out in front of you, your arm, and turn the palm of your hand towards you, approximately at that point is where your aura starts and stops. That starts and stops is not an accurate statement. That point goes all the way around you. And the reason, if you can, we use a simple image of a rose. If you can create a mental image picture of a rose and put it right at that particular point and then make a decision that I'm gonna pull my energy to this side of the rose, and everything on the other side of the rose is Shakespeare's theater to entertain me. I like would that. Your, would your universe be different? But more than that is when you recognize that point on the edge of your aura and you bring your energy to this side, that all of that noise and motion and drama that's on the other side stops at the rose. Now, this isn't a wall. It's not a keep out. It's just simply a point of delineation. It's the simplest tool we teach, and it is the most important tool that we teach, is yeah. managing and defining your space in relationship to everybody else's. Yeah. And you then have choice. Do I want to argue with that person when they say that or not? Do I want to, you have choice. But until you can really define yourself, you don't know whose energy that was that just got my mood changed or made me angry. I was in a good space five minutes ago. Why am I not in a good space now? Well, because the boss isn't in a good space or your husband wife just got irritated at something. I lost my space to somebody else's emotions. That space, once that's defined, the ability to start to recognize who am I and how do I wish to navigate this game begins to be something that's on your terms not on the universe's terms. But where I was going with that is as that begins to be managed, 
something really amazing happens, and that is you begin to find that everything comes to you. Everything comes to you. No longer do I need to go and get approval from them or acceptance from them or advice from them, or I better go to the book to get my answer. You get to this place where you get quiet in your space, in this internal guidance system, and the answer lies where the question is asked. What we do is we move away from the question. Oh, I better go find out the answer, and we move away. But once you start to get into this present time space, you start to realize I can have an intention and I can hold my attention on my intention, law mm. of attraction, mm. and the law of attraction feeds it. Mm. And as you play there, it's fascinating the number of times I hear the word coincidence. Well, this coincidence, this coincidence. And then after about five weeks of coincidence, I say, are you a coincidence? And they say, there are no coincidences. I thought this up, I asked this question, and it showed up on my doorstep mm. over and over again. Absolutely. So that's the shifting of this time we're in from that third dimension, moving away, needing other people to approve of you to a place where you are commanding of your presence, a sense of seniority. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. Kind, generous, gracious, capable, co-creating. That's the fifth dimensional box. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have said, one of my colleagues said it too, when we were teaching together, the word law of attraction has the word action in it. So that means we have to take, like even Anthony Roberts says, massive action. And I've always thought, no, the only action one needs to take is to shift their frequencies, to sh like to be in the now and to change how they feel, to change the frequency, to, I don't know, be in your own space in that space of now moment. Yes. And it yeah. all can come to you if, you if you want it to. We've explored this on other shows with other teachers talking about different levels of awareness and how, you know, there is that awareness of going out to make it happen and then attracting it to you and then being it and, you know, different levels. Yeah. Yeah. But um, action, the action is the... The action is the thought energy, really. That's the main action, right? It's yes. not the going out and making it happen. Yeah. yeah. And it simply is put your attention point on your intention and then hold it there. Universe loves to give you what you intend. Actually, that was something, oh, there's so many questions I've got. But that was something that you said that I want to get into too. But I'm going to come back to this because I've. Uh, this is something else, thinking of my friend and thinking of some other emails that I've got. Uh, like listening to you talk and, and sort of relating to her story, um, being in the present moment, wanting very much to please others, wanting so, yeah. so I, I, I've got this client subscriber that has said, you know, I so want to do this work, talk about this stuff, you know, immerse myself in this consciousness, this energy, but my family thinks it's crazy. And so I can't because I don't want to lose my family, right? Yeah. So that, that needing to please others, what would you say about people that are experiencing that? Like they, they've, their friends, their family, their peers say that, you know, talking about our angels and aliens and consciousness and fifth dimension and psychic ability is all crazy stuff. Yeah, it's, it's called non-permission. I don't give you mm -hmm. permission. You don't have my permission. And so what does a person do? They stop. They stop listening to their truth. They stop exploring. They stop being curious. They stop wondering. 
They stop going and just simply having an experience and then deciding for themselves, is this my truth or not my truth? And so it's, a, it's part of the whole control game. Family is, relationship is the toughest game on the planet <laughs> and family is the toughest of the toughest game on the planet. Yeah. And so I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to upset them. I don't want to change myself because it's going to interfere with their life. Yeah. That's, and so yeah. it's a very challenging space. One of the things that, that allows you to begin to, to have a, a little different experience is just stop talking about it. Make it your experience. Don't make it your family's experience. You know, if it's, I want to read a book, read the book. Get a sense of how this works. Is this your truth? Try it out outside the family. You don't have to share everything with the family in that case. You're not being devious. That's a, not a very nice word. I'm just simply having my experience and I don't need to share it with or go to the family to get approval. Am I okay? Mm. So you're right back into the third dimensional box. I need them to validate me. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the trap of that third dimensional game. My, my friend Kathumi said one time, the longest part of this journey is from the third dimension to the fifth dimension. Everything else is absolutely simple. Right. And it's correct. Letting go of my need for, or I don't want to disappoint. And so it's, it's a challenge, but it's the game that keeps you locked in the game. And so, so what would you look like? I always just say, you've got to live your truth. Forget about your family. I'm pretty blunt with it. Right. I'm, yes, I'm, yes. I don't beat around the bush. It's like, a, I was going to live my truth. No matter what my family were totally calling me crazy, mung bean, hippie crazy, you know, from the get go. And I'm like, I don't care. That's not, that's your truth. This is my truth. So yes, I just pushed yeah. for it. And I kind of counsel people to do the same because what are you going to do? Live a life. That's not your passion, not sure. your joy, not yourself to please somebody else, to please your wife, to please your husband, to please whatever. Well, Um, part of the, you know, you get married and it's forever and ever. Yeah. You know, it's until death do us part. Those are pretty strong vows that do not have a lot of permission to grow together in a lot of ways that allow for diversity and somebody growing and then coming back and moving apart and coming together. It's very restricted in terms of this is how we do it. And that begins to be right now a very challenging point for an awful lot of people yeah. because they're waking up yes. and all of a sudden they realize your truth is not my truth mm-hmm. and my passion lies over here, but you don't agree with me having that experience. So I won't disturb you and they're becoming conscious and they're becoming very unhappy. That's a place that, that becomes very damaging for the relationship. We ultimately somewhere Somebody, somebody says, I'm done. And they wind up ripping their energy out of the other person. And you get this massive level of grief, and disappointment, and yeah. bitterness that is totally unnecessary if there was a little more room to navigate. Mm. You know, I think of Esther and Jerry Hicks's story. Jerry, who was like crazy about all this stuff and, and voraciously reading things, he started reading the Seth books. And yes. Esther, Esther said, I don't like that freaks me out. I, that <laughs> could you it look, I'll let you read that book. It's like, oh, you know, thank you for permission to read the book. Could be, yep. could you read it outside the house, please? Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious to see where Esther is today? And that's how it started, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. And uh yep. and 
And Jerry, you know, the story goes that Jerry used to discuss some of the concepts in the book, which made perfect sense to Esther. And she started to think, well, maybe this stuff isn't so crazy. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But I think that if we're going to teach people love, like if we, I know with my daughter, when I was doing all this stuff and all her school friends were like, I don't get it, I don't get it. She was embarrassed to have a mum that was kind of, of course. And I I kept persisting, like I wasn't going to hide. But I think to teach love is to teach that you've got to like stay true to yourself. And I think that now she's an adult. um, She sees that, you know, it was tough when she was young, but she sees that I never, you know, I never wavered from being who I am. And she respects that because now she's this hippie, you know, earth child hippie and she gets all the ridicule, but she's got a parent (laughs) that has had plenty of ridicule. and didn't worry about it so that's kind of teaching your family about love right being true sure and and it's very much being love yeah it's in the being love it's not in the negotiating around it it's but one of the things about this word love it's it's so misunderstood and it's so treated as this very narrow oh i love you and i love the earth and i love my dog and they're very small bands of love Mm. when you start to get into present time and you start to have a sense of your own certainty and your own seniority and the the feeling of I'm capable as a feeling in the body, not as an intellectual thought in the body. All of a sudden that vibration of love begins to be these words, certain, capable, gracious, begin to be demonstrations in the body as a vibration that people see. And it's an interesting thing. If you you look at the word emotion and feelings are misunderstood a lot of times. I don't know the difference people say. This is not an accurate statement I'm going to make, but it's very close to being accurate. Emotions have edges. Anger, resentment, jealousy, rage. Feelings, no edges. Appreciation, gratitude, respect, dignity, integrity. There's no edges on the feeling. There are edges in the emotions where you get to a word like sad. Sad is both a feeling and an emotion deciding, depending on how it's applied. But once you, if you can allow that to be a, a kind of a, a, a benchmark to measure by, not as a truth, but as, huh, interesting, I'll kind of use that. You find that you're, you wind up naturally gravitating to these words. They begin to be conscious versus unconscious. I mean, how often do you demonstrate certain and capable and gracious and seniority and this is who I am? We know them, rational mind, Mm -hmm. but we don't demonstrate them from the heart. Mm -hmm. We don't live those words. When you begin to live them, they're a feeling in the body Mm -hmm. and they they don't have edges. Then you start to find graciousness and kindness and allowing and permission, two of the biggest words of love, allowing and permission. You don't need permission. You already have. You already have. So you would define feeling as a more positive thing and emotion as a more negative thing. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not going to use the word negative. Yes, you're correct, but I'm not going to use that word negative and and positive. I'm going to use it as a feeling that has motion to it that's congruent and motion to it that is not congruent. 
Mm. It's tricky because, you know, we use its language, you know, language. People say, I'm feeling angry. I remember when my ex-husband used to play poker and somebody said, you know, you can't be emotional when you're playing poker. And so emotional was emotional is always referred to as a negative thing, meaning emotional stressed, you know, like when mm-hmm. we, when mm-hmm. they talk about on the news, oh, she was very emotional. So meaning she was upset. It's always been used as a negative because yes. like love is an emotion, joy is an excitement's an emotion. It's like, but always we use this word emotion as demonstrating, oh, she's so emotional, meaning she's stressed or panicky or upset or yelling or, you know, as a negative thing. So it's, it's yeah. sort of interesting how we define these, these labels, really. Well, for the most part, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. And for the most part, that's an unconscious belief system. See, yeah. everybody would be in agreement with what you just said. Yeah. So as a, as a habit of that belief system, I agree. Well, that's how it is. That's the truth. That's the truth. So what if you just shifted and brought it into consciousness and you made a decision, I'm going to create a distinction and I'm going to allow emotion just to simply have an edge, not as a good or a bad, I'm recognizing, and feelings with no edge. What happens is you just brought it into a state of aware or conscious. Now, when you start to look at it and you say, how I'm feeling this, do I want to continue to feel this or would I like to shift my attention into a different vibration of love? certain, gracious, kind, respectful, quiet, calm. There are no edges on that aspect of love. These emotions over here aren't really part of love. They're part of the human creation of observation and choice. You know, I saw you say in one of your YouTube programs when you were talking about addictive programming, 96% of making a change is becoming aware. Yes becoming aware of being aware of something that I'm not aware of, like a subconscious programming. So 96% of changes. So when you're in the emotion, so let's talk about emotion being the stress or the upset or the uncomfortableness. So just being aware of what you're not aware of. So this emotion, this feeling, like what is it that I'm not aware of? And then you said 3% is being amused at what you have realized. I love this. This was so great. Yes. And 1% of making a shift, changing a subconscious programming, is doing or thinking anything different. Anything or different. Just, it's just the change. It's just, oh, I'm going to change this. Change is simple. Change it's- is simple. So in the moment, in the now moment, it's not, you don't have to go back into past lives or even find out what, you know, that you know, what your father beat you when you were three years old or whatever. It's just being aware in that moment of how you're feeling and why you're feeling like that. Um, I like this bit, 3%, being amused that you've realized something like I'm aware that I'm unaware of something and I'm just amused at that. And now I'm going to do something different. So, and, more, and if you can get amused at it, you've already made the change. Yeah. There's no work to change. It's like, boy, this is, is this is ridiculous. This is, yeah. How can I do this? Okay, this I'm done. You know, and in a, in that softness of it, not in like I'm done. It's it's in the what am I doing? It changes. It's gone. And that you can make instant life changing in that. Like I was saying to my friend, going back to my friend, you know, we were working on her allergies, so she's allergic to the cat, 
and she was over here with the cat sitting on her. <laughs> and I'm like, you can change this in an instant. It's just a programming. Yes. So, so when I was young, I was a hay fever crazy, asthmatic hay fever crazy. And in my early 20s, I just decided I couldn't live like that. Like, I can't live like this. I just can't live like this. And I made a decision. I just became aware of what I wasn't aware of and made a decision yes. I didn't want that. And it absolutely shifted. And so I can, I can do anything that I couldn't do before. You know, what used to drive me crazy is clothes, like dust, dust mites. I used sure. to like, Wah! and I just said, I don't want to live like that. And I just shifted, it changes. So her and I have discussed this, but she hasn't made that shift yet. She knows it's possible, but she hasn't made the shift. She yet. hasn't chosen to change. Okay. This is, this is that space unconscious of being unconscious. You can talk to her all day long in that space. She can, she, yes, 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 she'll say, but as soon as she walks out the door, it's gone. Exactly. So I'm in an unconscious of being unconscious. I can have the conversation, but it's, it's in the place where you finally get, it's almost like you slap her upside the head and go, are you listening? It's like, <laughs> okay, now what did you just say? I'm listening. Now she's listening. And would you like to choose to do this? And it's a choice, but choice doesn't exist in that linear time space where you don't know how bad my life was and I'm really worried about what's going to happen in the future. That's not choice, that's simply spread over the past and the future. Nothing gets happening because there's no present time to make a choice. So once you get amused, you're in present time and you're not in the emotion of the event in, in such a way where it's like, I'm really angry, I'm afraid, get into amusement, you're in present time in a place that feels pretty good. You get to laugh at yourself without beating yourself up. But more often, if you can get to that place, you go, this isn't working, I I'm done. And the choice happens. Yeah. And that electromagnetic field just simply demagnetizes instantly. Yes. Instant choice and instant change is very, very doable. Yeah. But we're not taught how to do that. We're not taught how to choose. We're not taught how to observe and then discern, is this mine or is this somebody else's? Or even if it is mine, is this how I want to live? Correct. It's like, is this who I want to be? Because, right. you know, I, you know it, it was, I wasn't taught this, but I was just a young girl who couldn't leave the house without having an asthma attack if I forgot my puffer. And I felt so <laughs> bound to my puffer. I just thought, yeah, yeah. this is not who I want to be. I, I don't right. want to be there. And I just like, bang, right. made that choice. And, and, and that's available to everybody. So it's available to it's everybody. Place. Yeah. It's, it's, a, you know, it's interesting that I could have done it so easily then, but there are other things that I haven't shifted, you know, like there are other programming and habits I have. One of the habits is like, yeah, like I'm not exercising enough or not being, you know, eating too much bread or sugar or whatever. And it's like, I haven't made that choice, but it's possible yeah. to make that choice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, particularly like you're saying, you have you have history now with validation attached to it. You know I did X and Y is my result. So you know that. So now other choices become much more available to you actually when consciously chosen. But like you're saying, is I'm I'm really not ready to consciously choose. I know I would I would feel better if I did this, or if I changed my habit here, I would have a better result. But what's really being said is I'm not ready to do that. It's not that important to me to do that. Perfectly acceptable. So, all right. So I just want to get into this a bit deeper. In order to make the change, the choice, 
there has to be like a why behind it, that a why that is important to you. And usually people don't make that until that why becomes like life threatening. So I'll give up smoking when I'm 30, 40, 50. And then the doctor says, you're going to die. And you might say, I know you're looking at the time. We're going to wrap it up in a minute. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> and then the doctor says, you know, you're, you're going to die and your kids will be without a father or a mother or whatever. And so your why to give up smoking becomes, okay, I've got this why now. Yes, but, yes. Uh, so how, do, how can we create the why without hitting the wall, you know, without it being life-threatening? Well, to a great extent, it's getting into present time. Right. So we, in a way, we, we're talking about it. And like right now, we're in present time. But we really, we are, but are we in present time here or are we in present time right here? Are we in present time to where we're at the center of the sphere where we have access to all directions at one time? Or are we still... It's like, well, we're going to stop this interview in a little while and I'm going to go off and do. So I'm in present time right here, but in my space, I am not, I still have motion going on. Does that make sense? In an hour, I'm going to do something else. In an hour, I'm going to go out to dinner. I know that in my time frame. I'm not thinking about it, but it's in my space. But you've had the opportunity where you get into a great meditation. And in that meditation, you get so quiet, and you get quieter and quieter. And you, and you say to yourself at the end of it, God, why don't I do this all the time? This is so nice. Everything that has motion to it just simply calms right down. Yeah. It's not engaged. And right here, we're still engaged even though we're in present time. But that place where you get even a little bit more into present time, you get a little calmer, and you hold your attention on that I want to lose weight or I want to stop smoking or whatever it is. So what is it about me that doesn't do that? And I really would like to know when you say that you start getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And in that space, if you sit with a little curiosity, it's like, I really do want to change this. What's in my way. I'm going to allow it to come to me. All of a sudden this thought comes. It's like, Oh, this is why I do this. A lot of, a lot of this will just come right into present time. And it's like, okay, I can be done. And the decision and the answer and the conclusion is already, just, it just happens. You get up, you never smoke again. So it's all about how present you are and how you wish to, in fact, make a decision. There's a lot of interesting tools that allow you to have a mechanism for getting into a decision and getting out of a decision. So for, let me give you an example. So for example, when you make a decision, I'm going to do X, whatever it is, or this is how my life is going to be, or this is my belief, and this is my habit. What happens is you go, okay, that's my truth, and it locks into place. Mm -hmm. But when we play in the past, we have a very clear belief that my past has happened. I can't change my past. But what if you could? Mm -hmm. I'm not, in fact, I'll let me go for it. You absolutely can. Mm -hmm. Your past is not locked into your reality. So if I had a mechanism to undo my past, just basically look at my past, part of that is, would you like to not have the emotion that's all tied up in the history of your past? As soon as you let the emotion go and you bring it to the table, the simple answer is sort of the next level. You say, is this useful to me? And if the answer is no in this mechanism, well, I'm going to give this library book back to the Godhead, to the, to the, for somebody else to check out. 
in that ridiculous simpleness that I just said, if you just can understand that littleness, and it just takes a little more information, but you'll actually change enormous parts of your belief system about who you are and how you got here. And most of it, you'll find everything that you hold yourself hostage to, virtually everything, doesn't belong to you. It's somebody else's, you're stupid, you're not okay, you don't deserve, you're not attractive. You don't walk around saying that to yourself at the first outset. But when you can't answer the question, what did I do wrong? You begin to repeat it over and over and over and over. And that's where that electromagnetic field comes. See, thoughts are electrical, mm. emotions are magnetic. And so you have this mag magnet here that has that, oh, I'm not okay, something's wrong. And then you start wrapping it with this wire. Why did I do that? How come that happened? Why did they say that? Am I really that bad? And you wrap it, you wrap it, you wrap it, just like an, a motor. Mm -hmm. You have this heavy wrapping of electrical wire around a metal magnetic bar, and you create this tremendous electromagnetic field. Mm -hmm. If you say, I'm not okay enough, you absolutely wind up believing it. But would you like to recognize how to unravel it instantly and just begin to look at it? Is this useful to carry around? If the answer is no, I give it back to the library. Mm -hmm. As silly as that is, it's very much part of the universal structure of how creation works yeah. and functions. But we're not taught you, that. You know, I know we're not taught. Look, Jim, you know, I've said this many times. I'd love to see all this taught in school, you know, like. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Deliberate creation, whatever you want to call it, mastery, alchemy, whatever you want to call it. Like just, you know, how we flow our energy, how like emotional technology you know mind technology mindfulness i don't know conscious technology whatever you label we could give to it i met this man i was away in byron bay for our winter your summer and just you know met this guy and he was an older man who had been very sick his whole life and he to the point where he couldn't eat anything except for just a some oats or something like he had this terrible diet had this dreadful but in his sickness he had become like a master teacher and, and healer he had he, he was older when i say he was older he was older than me sure. probably maybe 60s 70s i'm not sure maybe 70s he'd spent his whole life he, he had a personal growth program that he ran for years teaching and healing because his illness kind of drove him spurred him on to find how he could Answers. cure himself mm -hmm. right yeah, and he just yeah. explored so many avenues and um so that habitual i'm not all right thought that was him kind of served him explore yes. healing yes so yes. these these thoughts that we take on sometimes we take them on to expand our awareness and consciousness around a particular subject mm -hmm. healing being his subject uh, it didn't heal his body. He didn't heal himself. He was still very, very ill all these years later and, and 50 years of teaching and exploring health and healing. Uh, so, but he could still let go of that idea in a moment, couldn't he? Like that. Absolutely. But see, he, he came in with that as part of his pathway. So, yeah. so that was his vehicle. See, if he f healed himself, then he would have no reason to... Do what he was doing. Yeah, to so keep in, seeking because it just kept yes. him looking. So yes. he could kind of stop it like I healed myself, so this is the answer, which is what a lot of people do. And then they, mm -hmm. they cure themselves of whatever and then they teach everybody. And so they say, this is the only way, you know, as a naturopathic student when I was young, 
Every yeah. teacher came in with the way to healing. It was the nutrition. It was the homeopathy. It was the liver cleansing. Yes, like they all yes. had the answer because it helped them, right? And they'd all argue with each other. And I'd be like, you guys just like want to argue amongst yourselves. You all think you've got the answer. But what, what happened with him is that the illness kept him looking. There was never an answer. Yes, so it, yes. He, he kept seeking and expanding and seeking and expanding. And yeah. it really served him, but he was deathly ill, the poor bugger. You know, he couldn't eat anything anyway. But he was a lovely man. Yes, yeah, so, but he had, he had his drive and that was yeah. what made it work for him. Yeah. So, so, so you said something valuable here to go back to the beginning of this is what's your story? Yeah. And so just like you said, here's all of these healers and people teaching from 20 different positions. That just simply is their story. And yeah. a good student is somebody who can allow them without judgment to have their story and allow their story to be observed and then chosen or not from a place of neutrality. Well, I hear this, is this something that would possibly be beneficial to me? Whereas other people will just cut it off. It's like, oh no, that doesn't work. Well, how do you know that? Well, they told me that doesn't work. See, un underneath, the, you go back a number of layers and always is somebody else's opinion that becomes a belief that turns into a habit that becomes the truth. And so like that man, he didn't have the truth. He just kept searching for the truth. And he was probably very brilliant at the end of the day because he accumulated so many different modalities Absolutely. of looking at things from different points of view. Mm. So it, it's a journey and it can be such a wonderful journey when we can step out of everybody else's shoulds and shouldn'ts about life. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a beautiful place to end it on. Um, we still didn't get through too much of your story. You just kept, I knew that would happen. Probably a good thing. <laughs> oh, I love sharing people's stories. People's stories are fascinating. Uh, yes. But it's been absolutely brilliant. Is there anything the archangels or the masters of light would like to leave us on before we say goodbye? Well, you know, we're in a, we're in a challenging time. And the challenging time is uh, what's obvious or what people are looking at. And, you know, we're seeing all of the, you know, the world going through a lot of external challenges. Mm. What's happening is all of the status quo and all of the patterning of that third dimensional space where, where greed, let's take racism, sexism, all the, the isms, greed, domination, uh, them versus us, that's all duality. That's all third dimension. That's all being dismantled. But it's very obvious in your face if you're watching television or just kind of engaged in things. But what is not so obvious that really needs to be heard is what you're seeing as, as disruptive is massively opportunistic. Yeah. You know, if everybody's in agreement with the flow of the river, it's very hard to change the direction of the river. Yeah. Right now, there's massive disruption. Massive. And this disruption, particularly right now, is opportunistic to each one of us to do everything that we've just been talking about. Mm -hmm. If you can simply get into neutral and begin to define your space and be in present time, all of that baggage is relatively easy to let go of. It's really, it's really simple, but it's also easy. What happens is we start saying, well, no, it can't be that easy. That's the rational mind's part. 
but what is being presented in order to create a whole different reality, this space of sit and hold your attention on your, on your attention and your intention and the rapidness in which everything is coming to you. It's not dense anymore. It's much more fluid and the ability to hold your hand out and have the apple appear is actually very available. But it's that belief that I'm locked into it. So the opportunity to change that and the opportunities to begin to have an awareness is extraordinary right now. Mm -hmm. And so and we're, we're, we're having a great time at Mastering Alchemy. One particular place is this, this word love is, is a powerful experience. This word prayer, most people talk about prayer, for example, as I'm asking for something. Yeah. You get into your space and you recognize prayer is a driving force that coupled with love simply is capable of creating an environment, an opportunity for people to choose differently. Mm. And that's what's so fascinating right now. We're playing right now with thousands, thousands of people, one weekend a month, one, one and a half hours once a month to basically create this field of love where people start to have the choice of putting down their guns to stop hating, mm. to begin to notice themselves those opportunities are what is beginning to become available for people and you're going to see a massive shift in the next number of years but yeah. this next 10 years is going to be challenging in terms of the disruptiveness mm -hmm. but that disruptiveness does not have to be on your side of the roads mm -hmm, mm -hmm. doesn't have to be in well, your space the disruptiveness gives opportunity to people like you and me and others Correct. to uh, help guide people in their present moment awareness yes, you know, to, yes. to bring them back to that. You know, the message I get from this, this, this whole hour or so that we've been together is transformation is easy. Simple. <laughs> Simple. It's, it's right here, right now in pre present present moment awareness right here Absolutely. right now it's Absolutely. in the, it's in this moment it's right here it's not something that you've got to get or gain or let go no. of or go back to or go and yeah it's right here right now and yeah and you never you have never lost it the you that's listening mm -hmm. what happens is that internal guidance system never went away mm -hmm. you did we moved away we asked questions we went out there we looked outside of ourselves Getting into present time and liking yourself or just being quiet, appreciative, finding that smile in the heart, all of a sudden you start to realize who you are. It, it, it's like all the we do, the Archangelics and myself and, and Lords of Light, we don't teach you anything. Mm, remind you us. Know, you know, know all, all of yeah, this. Yeah. And, all, all, and I'm just kind of like the pointer. I just say, well, look over there. What happens if you did that? And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Once the wiring goes back together, and this is funny, you start putting yourself back together, people will argue that they've always known this. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And as soon as that wiring goes back together, it's like, oh, yeah, that's always, I've always done that. Well, they have. Yeah, I know. And, it's and so they don't crazy. remember, 
Yeah, and they don't remember they didn't know it. Yeah, That's I know. Begins, it, I know. Isn't that interesting? Yes. It's like they live their life like not knowing or forgetting, and then when they remember, it's like I've always known this. I've exactly. always done that. It's, I know it's so interesting. See, and that's what's so exciting about putting yourself back together, remembering yeah. yourself, yeah. recreating yourself, rewiring yourself, because you never left. You just kind of went on a journey to forget. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I can do that. I can yeah. do that. And it gets very exciting. So the next time, you know, you're upset, people that are listening to this, it's an opportunity to have that present moment awareness and to be amused, like, becoming aware of not what not aware of. So the next upset you have, regardless of the circumstances, someone gets sick, someone dies, someone cuts you off in traffic, somebody <laughs> lies to you, rips you off, whatever the circumstance, the next time we're upset, that's an opportunity to be in that, to be amused at what you're aware and not aware of. Like just in that moment, every upset is that opportunity to transform those habitual addictive programmings that was that's running us right you said it very well yeah beautiful oh jim it's been so delightful to talk to you thank you so much for being Absolutely on the my show pleasure. my pleasure and thank you to that beautiful listener who told me to look you up sorry i've forgotten your name i'd have to go through reams and reams of comments to find you because somewhere there on the comments on the youtube but um thanks again for being on the show my pleasure blessings the wonderful Jim self. Great conversation. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got a lot out of that and you understand how simple and uh, easy your transformation can be. You don't have to do a million healing courses to change your addictive conditioned programming, which is really what it's all about. You know, just as Jim said, we get conditioned into believing something about ourselves, which is not who we are or why we've come what we're here to do but we believe it and we run a life like it's so never feels good there's always this kind of level of angst or level of needing something like i need to get something i need to be better i need to be richer i need to be thinner i need to be taller shorter i don't know happier i need to be more peaceful there's always this level of striving instead of arriving and we can stop the striving and just arrive in this moment and be present and aware in this moment. And that's where the power is. You know, so many teachers have said this. Seth said, all your power is in the now. Even Esther, even the law of attraction, you know, like um, the secret. The information was there. Eckhart Tolle has talked about the power of now. There's so many teachers talking about the power of now, this present moment awareness and making a choice. How do I want to feel? Who do I want to be in this moment, regardless of what's happening? The hurricane that swirls around us with the disruption, the political disruption, the family disruption, the financial crises, you know, the disruption of the world. Can we be in the center of the hurricane in this present moment awareness and be connected to our guides, to our mob, to love and make decisions from that place? So when we hit the hurricane of our subconscious addictive programming, of I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I need to change, shift. Can we be aware that that's just a hurricane as well and we can be in the centre of that and shift it, make a choice in this moment? Sometimes it's easier to talk about than to do, but that's the challenge, isn't it? The doing, the action is in making the choice. It's not out there in doing the action. The action 
in law of attraction. The action is the choice. That's the action. That's the action. Let me know how you go. <laughs> Next time you hit that upset, let me know how you go. You hit that present moment awareness and be amused. I loved that bit about being amused, being, being amused at the awareness of what you're doing, how you're flowing your energy. Oh, I'm upset. What am I doing with my energy? And uh, yeah, I've got a few things happening. Penny Kelly is coming back on the show. What am I going to talk about with Penny Kelly? Look, I really don't set any questions when I invite people on. I had no idea what I was going to talk about with Jim, except for that, you know, that 96% of making uh, change is becoming aware. I thought that was beautiful. 3% becoming amused, 1% of doing or thinking something different. I just thought that was brilliant. That, you know, that was something I had set up to talk about, but we just let the conversation flow. Jamie Butler is coming back into, uh, to, on the show. I'm catching up with Jamie soon to hear about what she's been going through and you know where her teaching and what, what's happening with her. I, I think she wants to talk about being a spiritual entrepreneur. So I think she wants to talk about you know, using your gifts and talents to actually let you earn a living. Um, which is a big question that we get from a lot of people. You know, how can I earn a living doing something I love instead of working in a job that I don't love? You know, how can I be of service? But as Jim said, we don't have to, we don't have to quit our day job and, you know, open up shop as a healer or transformative coach or whatever. We just need to transform ourselves and that has huge impact on this world. Yeah, the transformation, the personal transformation. And just be living love. Be living love. You can be and do and have anything in this world. By doing it, by be, being living love is uh, making a huge transformation in this world. So lots of things happening. Penny Short is coming into the Inner Sanctum. I hope, hopefully she'll be all right. She's been dealing with cancer. She's an energy. She teaches people about energy. Energy healer energy teacher she talks very much about the mechanics of the energy jim you know went into it a little bit talking about our aura being an arm's length away from us she goes much more into it a bit like desda zuckerman penny and i were flatmates years ago in our 30s <laughs> we've known each other for years she's a brilliant teacher so she's coming into the inner sanctum to give us some tips on how to you know navigate our energy jim touched on it you know as empaths and um, the energy body the sort of energy anatomy hopefully she's been well enough i know it sounds crazy for an energy teacher to be sick but you know our soul gives us these challenges how do you know that it works if you're not challenged to use it so being sick is the perfect opportunity to use your knowledge and and uh, talents of flowing energy and also courtney beck hopefully is coming into the inner sanctum at the end of the year so we're wrapping up to the end of the year. It's happening quickly, isn't it? Hope you're all having a great time wherever you are, whatever part of the world that you're in. And I love you all. I'll see you all soon. Big love. Bye for now.